We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly interview show where top chess players, authors, content creators, and accomplished amateurs discuss their careers and share stories and chess improvement tips. Perpetual Chess is a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we'd like to give special thanks to our presenting chess education sponsor, Chessable.com. For more information about the show, you can go to perpetualchesspod.com. But without further ado, let's get to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We are here with a friend of the pod. I finally managed to wrangle him again. Popular Chess 24 commentator, noted opening theoretician, chessable author, member, three-time member of Magnus Carlsen's World Championship Preparation Team, two-time champion of the Thailand Open, and five-time guest of Perpetual Chess, Grandmaster Jan Gustafsson. Oh, and podcaster, Grandmaster Jan Gustafsson. What's happening? Thanks, Ben. Quite an introduction. Glad to be back. So excited to finally have you. All it took was for you to make a podcast where you're going to steal all my listeners. And now uh, now I can welcome you back to the show. Yeah. So how do we make it through 90 minutes of me yelling, check the chicken chess? I don't even know what it's called. The Chicken Chess Club podcast. It's very exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited, honestly. Obviously, in addition to counting you as a friend, I'm a fan of all your content. And obviously, 
podcast is my my native medium. And I mean, you lined up your friends, Laurent Fresnay and Peter Hein Nielsen, fellow Team Magnus members, um, to talk about the chess news, riff on the chess news every week. So I, I could not be more excited. Yeah, but we think of you as as Bane when it comes to podcasting. Like we might adjust to the darkness that is audio, but you were born in it, so we're <laughs> we're not here to compete. Thanks. Yeah, and I think of it that way too. And I also think you know time will time will tell if I'm right about this or not. But I worry that you guys are a little bit too successful to maintain a podcast consistently. I mean, Peter Peter Hein working with Magnus constantly, Laurent also frequently on call, you, you know, just trying to catch up with your content, you know, is, is a full-time job. So, um, so I'm rooting for you guys because I greatly enjoyed the first two episodes, but, but I worry that your schedules may pick up at some point and, and hopefully you guys can continue. There's no one busier than us. Like today <laughs> when we recorded, Peter said he was very excited. Golf season had started in Lithuania. So he's busy playing golf. Laurent is on holidays in the South of France. Got to be very rough to find an hour every week. I, I don't know. I mean, Magnus is going to have various events, so we will see. But I'm excited. Um, so let's, of course, we got to hear about the origins of this project. I'm guessing this was uh, someone inside the Play Magnus Corporation, of course, Chess24, for whom you do a lot of commentary, is owned by Play Magnus, Magnus Carlson, and other investors' company. Um, so did it take convincing, or were you like, oh, yeah, let's do it? No, this is just us, actually. It has nothing to do with the group or anybody. Basically, I think we we enjoy each other, but in small doses. Like, we've been, we've been around each other quite a bit in training camps, working for Magnus. But there is this running gag, which is not really a gag, that we've never come together without anybody paying for it. <laughs> so... This is a first, and hopefully, of course, we'll we'll make millions on the podcast. But it's it's sort of fun to catch up with the guys once per week, tease Laurent about um, all the topics he's uncomfortable with, like me, <clears throat> like him ordering a lot of white bread in Thai restaurants. That's that's my main source of joy these days. So <laughs> no, it's been good, but there's no corporate master plan behind it yet. Okay, interesting. I mean, again, I, I'm super excited about it. I mean, jokes aside, you guys are are so plugged in in the chess world. I mean, to to so for listeners to have access to the kind of information, I don't know what you guys are going to actually reveal on the show. But I mean, to 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 have such experts of the field uh, with with so much knowledge of top level chess is is exciting. So I'm excited for both the banter and uh, and the events analysis. Um, so I guess we should talk about some events. I mean, you're going to be talking about them to death on Chicken Chess Club. Subscribe on any podcast app. Be sure to give it a review, et cetera. But um, number one, of course, we have the candidates coming up. I'm sure you guys are, are planning a big uh, preview. But briefly, Jan, um, who's going to win? Um, that's a tough question. We... Selfishly, I think need to root for Ali Reza to win because then Magnus is more or less in the record that he might play play that one. So we get another match. On the the chess world would also probably be thrilled to see it. As for who's the favorite, I don't know. I've seen some odds that Ali Reza, Fabi, and Ding were more or less tied with the with the bookmakers, and 
I was a bit surprised that they don't seem to give Nipponishi much of a chance, who should still be sitting on a lot of prep and won last time around. I guess you could argue it's it's less good for him if it's 14 games in a row because he has a bit of a track record to slow down near the end of events. But I was a bit surprised he wasn't higher on people's list. So you just wanted to hear Ali Reza, right? I'm rambling. Oh, so you're putting all your money on Nepo is, is what I gather. If there was any... I haven't done a lot of a lot of chess betting ever since you got me into basketball betting like 15 years ago. I retired. I retired from from that game. Okay. Yeah. And and one of the things I watched that I've been I've been waiting for this to come out. It's called uh, Inside Team Magnus. You and your your podcast co-hosts did this huge breakdown of the World Championship match. Everything from being recruited to the team um, to assembling and you know going through all of the games and I want to talk more about it later but since you mentioned Magnus retiring probably the question or or not retiring um, not defending his world championship title probably the topic that you'll get asked about more than any and you'll talk about on the podcast more than any so we're not going to rehash that too much other than to say that you guys seem to be in consensus that if Ali Reza doesn't win it's around 80 percent that that Magnus doesn't doesn't uh, hold his title Um, so does that make you sad like it does the rest of us, Jan? First of all, I my guess is as good as yours. I think in this series you mentioned, we talked about it and we put a, quite a high number on it. I've seen a recent interview where, to me, it sounded like he was less secure about it. He still mentioned, yeah, he wasn't excited about the idea. But I would lower the number a bit from the 80% we gave there due to recent events. But I don't have a clue. Of course, from the outside, it sounds like, yeah, play a match for million, millions of dollars and stay the world champion is a good idea. But I can also sort of understand that the constant stress of yeah defining yourself through that world championship title and the process of yeah, having to prepare for one specific opponent might be something that, yeah, well, he said he, he's not enjoying that much, but I really don't have a clue. Like, as chess fans and potentially Team Magnus members, obviously, I have some some interest to to see that see that match. I just called myself a chess fan. I should <laughs> stop being stop being phony. Um, <laughs> Ch- chess chess, chess lover. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I get it as well. Thirty to forty percent of his time probably is spent like deep in the World Championship cycle. You know, if you're thinking six months of prep. And then the actual match, and it's every comes around every two years. Um, this is a guy who can basically do whatever he wants otherwise. So it's um, I, I understand, but nonetheless hope uh, hope that he changes his mind or that like like Laurent has been saying, uh, hope that um that Geary wins. But let me ask you this: I recently um, Reza. What, oh Laurent they, would never say he hopes that Geary wins. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I misspoke. <laughs> um, but let me ask you this, Jan. I recently had your Bundesliga teammate, Michael Adams, on the pod, and he was talking, and he sounded fairly um, also sympathetic to Magnus's views, and like he wouldn't be opposed to some sort of mixed format, which of course has come up a lot over the years um, as a sort of alternative to the classical world championship, which I know makes some people shudder. 
But listen, Magnus, Magnus is the boss. So my question to you, Jan, is if you think there's an elevated chance that he would not just say, okay, I'm not going to defend it, but actually might try to affect change in terms of like what we call the world championship? I wouldn't know. I don't think we can read into his statements that he's using it as a way to put pressure to get to change the format. I think he's just being genuine that, yeah, about how he how he feels about it. Um, I don't know. I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to the World Championship matches. I sort of like the classical and the slower pace and the teams preparing and so on. But we'll we'll take what we get, right? But yeah, to, to me, I think it's... Well, fun is the wrong word, but such such a defining event of the chess world and the legacy of the classical world champions and so on. So yeah, I'm... I'm the old man here saying, change nothing. Play long, long classical matches. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually agree with you, and I'm generally not, like, super into classical chess, but just for the World Championship in particular, I love the spectacle. I love the the training and stuff like your your series on, on Chess 24 inside Team Magnus, you know, sort of in the spirit of books like, um, like the Anon Files, and from London to Alista, the sort of behind the scenes, uh, you know, as you know, from me asking you annoying questions in previous interviews and this one, um, that I can't get enough of that stuff. So so I do do hope that it continues. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm also there. I really am a chess fan when it comes to studying the ins and outs of the World Championship matches and the history and the behind the scenes and so on. So I'm with you, but we're, we're not sponsoring or partaking in the next World Championship match yet. Because I hear the adult improving is going well, so you never know. You never know where it's going to take us. <laughs> yeah, just making amazing strides. Um, and on the topic of Inside Team Magnus, we should say it's it's behind the Chess24 paywall, which, by the way, can they still use Yanistan, or is that just for, for Branter Blitz? Can they save on the 15 bucks a month if they sign up or whatever? What's Yanistan? That's my Twitch channel. It has nothing to do with Oh, I thought it was like a promo code. Okay. Oh, yeah, that, that one exists as well. Oh, yeah, of course. See, I don't even know my own stuff. They can right. use the voucher code Yanistan. Yeah, so even if you stuff. only sign up for a month, I, of course you should sign up for more, but it's like 20 hours of content discussing the World Championship. And one of the things that I was curious about that you guys answered is sort of like when when someone like you gets the invite. It sounded like uh, Peter Hein Nielsen and... Of course, he heads the team, so he knows that he's a part of it. Laurent Fresnay has been a member for a long time, so he was basically already doing some work for Magnus. But you guys said in the series that you were asked right after the candidates. Um, so one thing I was wondering is, like, obviously, noted opening theoretician, especially Double King Pawn and the Marshal, which, of course, we saw in the World Championship. Um, so when you get asked some, to, to join the team, Jan, do you, like, immediately know that... A, you're joining the team and you're going to be playing the Mar Magnus is going to be playing the Marshall or did, did that come later? Um, I, well, I love doing this stuff. So there's not really, I mean, it's the process itself is not that much fun sitting with some other nerds in badly lit uh, Airbnbs or hotels and clicking on buttons. But since I'm such a, yeah, really such a fan of world championships, there's not really, a doubt in my mind that that I want to be involved if I have a chance. So that that didn't take long. As for the openings, I don't think I knew back then. I don't think Magnus knew back then what the game plan 
would be exactly, you always sort of hope in my case, if you're more of an E4, E5 guy, that it will be my topics and not like in 2018, it was the Sveshnikov where you still do your clicking, but I know less and have less of a feel. So in order to be, be half useful other than my great jokes, of course, you hope that it could be areas where I feel, whatever you want to call it, invested in or I know something, but I can't give you an exact timeline when the decision was made to go with E4, E5 and the Marshall. I think it's it's part of the process. Of course, you have some rough idea early on, but then you have some some options to go through and some stuff gets kicked out and some stuff gets brought back. So I, I don't know exactly. Yeah, I mean, I found it interesting that Peter Hines said that he and Magnus had discussed the possibility of unveiling the Catalan as early as like to something like 2018 for this match or something like that. Like before, before they even knew who they were playing, they knew they knew it was a possibility at some point. I guess the Catalan is always sort of around, and it's also one of the main openings. Magnus hasn't hasn't played regularly prior to the match, so I guess it's always always looming. And also, if you don't play the Catalan and you want to play 1d4, you have a choice between knight f3, d5, knight c3, where black has like 18 decent options, or the Nimzo, which has had a great reputation for decades now. So the Catalan, yeah, it's it's hard to ignore. But even the Catalan, turns out, it's not winning by force. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's very tough, as I'm sure we discussed in chess with white in general to find something you can play for for multiple games because the deeper you go usually black does hold yeah yeah it's it's interesting so but i'm assuming with what you said um about classical format you're you're not ready to hop on the 960 train despite uh despite the the problems that white might have getting a significant edge well, for people that mainly work as seconds opening theoreticians, I don't think Chess 960 is a very tempting proposition. I also, yeah, I'll sound biased because I am. Um, but yeah, I don't like it as much. So many starting positions are weird. I greatly enjoy the process of looking at openings and seeing what changes and what can be done and what can't be done. Now you play H4 or A4 in every position. So I don't think... It's dead and it's still evolving. But of course, it's true that at the world championship level with months to prepare, coming up with stuff for white is is not easy. Yeah. And we certainly weren't. I mean, obviously, there were um, stories involved, but like momentum possibly involved. But we certainly weren't lacking for decisive results in this world championship. So I feel like that at least gives us license to put it off for another couple of years and hope Magnus plays. But Jan, on the topic of openings, we have a question from another German Jan, FM Jan Peter Schmidt, Patreon supporter of the pod. Thank you for supporting Perpetual Chess, Jan. And he asks you, what is your initial reaction when you see the latest opening recommendation by I am Lawrence Trent, such as 1b6 as black or 1 knight c3 as white? I don't know. I have to admit, sometimes I'm a little behind in studying whatever Lawrence is currently proposing. I don't know. I think there is, that's a good thing about the, whatever you want to call it, the chess market that is big. Like you can sell people junk. And uh, I'm, no, I, I have to word it carefully here. Um, no, obviously, this is not meant for 
World Championship matches. But in chess, in general, if you study whatever, even if it's e4, b6, or one knight, c3, and you gain some advantage in knowledge, and I'm sure Lawrence is dedicated putting together the best tricks and and traps that exist after e4, b6. I'm not sure what exactly those are. <laughs> then then it can it can help. So no, I'm a I'm a big fan of Lawrence's, and I'm sure his courses are great. That was a very diplomatic answer, Jan. <laughs> well done. Um, I mean, I, I did use junk early on. So <laughs> that's that's true, but you were covered nicely. Um, Thank you. And, I, you know, it's come up on the podcast a bit that, you know, for, for us mortals, speaking for me, not for you, of course, um, you know, I, if I get an edge, I'm not going to convert it. You know, it's hard to get an edge even at the top level. So what's the difference? You know, just, just go knight C3, go B6. Have fun, you know, know a few things. Um, everything's going to be okay. Um, yeah. Your, your kids- even, even at my level, not at the World Championship level, but when I'm sitting there in Bundesliga, which I'm sure you'll have many exciting questions about, and I'm playing the next Italian, and I'm thinking, yeah, I know you'll go D3, C3, Knight B2, Knight F1. Sometimes I think to myself, hey, you should have played E4, B6, you know, like mix it up a little. So there are, these things have a right to exist even. Yeah, yeah, I did did see your mm-hmm. Bundesliga games and uh, look forward to going deep on them. But first, we have another <laughs> we have another uh, listener question. This one is from longtime supporter of the pod, Jerry Wells. Shout out to Jerry. And Jerry asks you, Jan, what is the stupidest opening idea that works? I don't know. It's a strange question because, to my mind, if something works, it's not it's not stupid, right? Also, we could get into how you define works like i'm not sure you lost after e4 b6 or if it's still a draw you could argue that still works if black draws with best play so i wouldn't know to me it's a contradiction because if it's stupid um then it won't work and if it works it's not stupid so that's my way of dodging the question i can't think of any fun position Okay, yeah, um, I certainly can't on my own. All right, Jan, uh, we are going to take a break and hear from our sponsors, and we will be back with more fun banter. Perpetual Chess is brought to you in part by Chessable.com. Of course, by now, I hope you all know that Chessable uses its proprietary move trainer technology to quiz you on the chess sequences that you need to remember. Often, it will be an opening sequence, a tactical pattern, or even a crucial end game, and they've got courses to help you with all aspects of your game. Some of their new courses include Grandmaster Romaine Edwards, English Breakfast, which is the reverse Sicilian against the English, and the Deceptively Simple French Exchange by I Am Sam Collins. So many more new courses coming out practically every day, so be sure to go to chessable.com and check out both their free and their for-purchase offerings. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
And we are back. And Jan, I do want to pick up the topic of the Bundesliga. Um, I've been going over your games with a fine-tooth comb. Six games this weekend. Um, busy schedule, first of all. And obviously, we've talked before in previous interviews, you're on the juggernaut team, Baden-Baden, with Maxime Vashir-Legrav, Mickey Adams, Rustam Kazimjanov, uh, Votersek, and the list goes on. Um, so... I want your personal state of Jan's chess game, but also how's the how's the team doing, Jan? Um, first of all, no, it was only two games this weekend. It's always like ah, two, okay. two games per weekend, but it's been with three weekends in at this gotcha. point. So, yeah, I think I played six games total. Um, where to start? You mentioned the team list. First of all, there's a lot of big guns. I'm not sure what they're doing, but that we haven't seen much this season yet. I don't know our list exactly. But should have like Aronian, Giri, Vichy, Caruana. A lot of guys there. We we might need some help because <laughs> I'm not sure how familiar your listeners are with Bundesliga. But it's played on eight boards. And normally I'm the token German. Well, that's sadly how it used to be, showing up on board eight. And last weekend I was on board four, which is very high. You get to play strong grandmasters. I'm I'm not cut out for this, Baden Baden. Bring in bringing the big guns. And seriously, yeah, I haven't played much chess, well, the last 10 years, but especially during the pandemic and then restarting when you're used to looking at chess with an engine. It's rough. Like, my head calculates very slowly. I'm I'm indecisive. I need way too much time to decide on any random move. I'm not sure you're probably not as negative as me, but the self-loathing I feel during every chess game that... Yeah, what an idiot I am, or that I missed this and missed that. I don't think is a very productive mindset, and it tends to be tends to be worse when I'm sort of out of practice. So usually, I was gearing up in Bundesliga to play my annual tournament, the Thailand Open, and at that point, at least, I had some games under my belt. But yeah, it's been rough. I don't know the results. Okay, it's business as usual. I think I made four draws and won two games against mainly weaker opposition but i'm leaving a lot of chances and i i hate myself more than usual playing that's normally my my metric which is not good yeah i saw the long draw that ended up um in a rook end game um i think that one was from this weekend right yeah yeah, that was this sunday yeah. yeah sorry sorry to to dredge that up but what you're discussing is is very relatable so when when you have that experience jan do you say to yourself jan that's it. I'm getting back to work. Or do you just say like, I got to avoid playing these in the future? No, I kind of like playing these. And you know, in order to keep doing it in the future, I should more or less maintain my level. But you know how it is with chess study, or I'm not sure how it is for you. I do tell myself, especially when I'm annoyed, okay, it's, uh, it's time to sit down and uh, study some new openings and do some serious stuff. But sometimes then then life catches up, you know, there's other things to do. Um, so it's it's difficult for me to find proper time to, to study for myself, especially when I know, okay, I might have two Bundesliga games in the next six months, but other than that, there's not that much happening. But I do feel this, yeah, when I feel like I'm playing too badly, like I have now this competitive urge that, yeah, I have to, I have to do something. But that telling myself... I have to do something from from saying that to going, okay, where do I find the three hours per day to study the night off? Like that's that's still a big 
yeah. big step because you can always go on Twitch and stream vampire survivors where you can kill a lot of vampires <laughs> sort of studying the night orc. So it's it's trade-offs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I, I read this quote from Mickey's interview, which I thought was wise that, yeah, sometimes you don't need to do anything special. Just keep the game going and people will make will make mistakes. I think a lot of it is just mindset. If you reach a more peaceful state of mind and just sit there and make moves instead of all this, I will sound too crazy if I describe it in detail, but instead of all this self-loathing and time-wasting that goes on in my head while playing, I'm not sure how it can be can be practiced other than, than practice, but it's really a thing. And I would guess I'm not alone that even psychologically, there's so much where one can improve. The problem is in theory, we know all these things, but then I'm still sitting there spending 30 minutes on a random move, hating myself for not having thought about that earlier. So yeah, it's chess is tough. The struggle is real. Yeah. I mean, again, very relatable. And yeah, I also, I found that quote from Mickey, you know, quite striking because, because he's so strong. So I mean, the people he's describing doing nothing against are probably like, you know, 24 to 26 hundreds, you know, so for a 2100 like me, let alone anyone lower rated listening, like your opponents, even though it seems, as you mentioned in your banter blitzes, people are getting better than ever, faster than ever. People still screw up, but it's it's hard not to get in your own head. And if you're in time trouble when they do screw up, it's it can be hard to capitalize, as you say. It's a challenge. Yeah, you also got to give them a chance to screw up, which I think is what Mickey was saying. Because sometimes, yeah, if you're in too impatient a state of mind, you want to force the issue and you get upset if you're not better after 25 moves or whatever. And really, all you should be thinking about is, okay, let's make a decent move, keep the game going. And I think he's right that the chances do come. I've had, even with my current skill level and mindset, I've had the chances every game. You just gotta, yeah, be be there and be calm to, yeah. to convert them once they once they show up. So you're gonna start meditating or what? I should start meditating. Do you meditate? Like I think everybody agrees it's a good thing, but I don't know a lot of people that actually. Yeah, do. I, I have. I have had a regular meditation practice. I don't. I don't uh, right now. So, um, but similar to studying chess, uh, tomorrow could be the day that that I wake up <laughs> the the. The switch flips. It's similar to everything, right? To working out, uh, running, sleeping enough, all the good stuff. We, I guess, know in practice are good things, but do you always do it? You're yeah. you're jacked, of course. So I know you're you're a huge gym rat. But <laughs> uh, no, I, I I do my I do my super slow jogs, and that's about it. I'm I'm no uh, I'm no Greg Shahadi. <laughs> Speaking of Greg, is he listening to this? We already. Praise classical chess. I don't want to have to read like a 3,000 word block entry of Greg explaining why we're wrong and uh, rapid. Rapid I, is the future. I think you're safe. I don't think he actually listens. I mean, if you say, if you fire, if you fire a few shots, he might catch wind of it, but, uh, but he, he won't listen on his own. So, um, um, but yeah, Reading. so, <laughs> so you mentioned, if you were to study three hours a day, you mentioned the night orf, but like, what would you do? Would you, dare I ask, do like calculation training or just try to have, I, I saw you played three E5, like E5 against E4 in all three Bundesliga games. Like, would you try to broaden that? What, what would you work on? 
I think the quick fix um, really is to stop mainly playing e4, e5 because it's just negative EV from me. In my typical Bundesliga game, when I'm black against, let's say, a 2400, so I'm whatever, 240 points higher rated, e4, e5 and the Italian or a Spanish mainline, which is drawers enough, I don't think that's maximizing my expectations. Like I said, I still do think that you get chances and I was getting the chances in these games. But I had one year, a couple of years back, where I felt comfortable playing the Dragon and any sort of sharp Sicilian, I think, gives better better expected value. Not that there are better openings. E4, E5 is great. But for me, it would mainly be trying to maximize my results, especially with Black against lower-rated opposition. So that's sort of the the quick fix. doesn't have to be the Dragon or the Nidorf. But just, you know, become a little less predictable and having something a little sharper. But then you start looking at stuff and then the Karakan, it's usually 0.50s while I get my equality in the E4, E5. Wow. So it's, now Karakan is a good opening, but you know, when once you're trying to mix it with black, then of course you pay a price objectively. And that's a price I should be paying because I think my EV would go up, but it's it's rough, especially if you mainly work as a quote-unquote theoretician trying to equalize or finding the best moves. So, yeah, that's the spot where I would have to put some stuff in other than that, all the things you're saying, or I'm sure I should I should listen to more Adult Improver episodes, <laughs> but I'm sure that have been debated here in great length, solving exercises, analyzing your own games. I'm sure Endgame Study always pays off. I'm sure there's a lot of great stuff to do. But, yeah, in practice, I'd study some random opening after 1E4, if I were being honest. Yeah, I mean, if we were twenty six hundred, we would too. So, um, t- totally understood. And and well, you mentioned I want to stay twenty six hundred though. So yeah, I do that's, that's hard these days. <laughs> Staying anything is hard. Um, so the Thailand Open, you mentioned in the banter blitz, you were thinking of playing. Now it sounds like maybe you're having second thoughts. Are you going to become Never. the three time Thailand Open champion, Jan? I am trying to only win ten every ten years, so <laughs> <Okay>. that <laughs> um, I won the the last one. But now there's been a two year break. So, no, I still have some years. But if it's happening, I'll find a way to show up. No question about it. Yeah. Excellent. And that's October. So you got you got time to get your life in order. Oof. I don't know. I've tried. I've tried for more than half a year. <laughs> and on the topic of uh, chess improvement, we have a question from Neil Bruce. Jan, do you know who Neil Bruce is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Twitter. Yeah, okay. Uh, legendary improver, speaking of which, been on the pod, of course. Most listeners are familiar with Neil. Shout out to, to Neil. Thanks for supporting the pod, Neil. And he says, and you're going to love this question, Jan. He says, <laughs> he's a huge Jan fan, so thanks for all you do Ooh. in the chess world. And his question is, what advice would you give to a 2,000-level adult chess improver about how to create a competitive opening repertoire for OTB tournaments? <clears throat> I don't know. Like I said, I'm a 26-something um, adult improver who also should work on that. I think everybody's different. It's going to be a long blah, blah, blah. It depends sort of answer. But you have you have all the resources out there, right? Um, I mean, you have good chess books. You have good chessable courses. Nowadays, you have good engines. You can go on any chess website and check your games with the opening tree and what the engines say directly after the blitz game so you don't even need to use 
chess base and remote engines and all the complicated stuff. Therefore, I think the tools are are out there. For me, it's very useful when I'm playing that I've done the work beforehand, which I more often than not haven't, but you lose so much time and energy if you try to prepare for every every single game if you're actually playing a tournament. So ideally, you want to have some sort of database wherever you keep it that's organized with with your opening so that before the game, you just have to click through something quickly and not try to reinvent the wheel, which I guess most people, me included, often are doing like, oh, I play this guy, he plays that opening. Let me quickly analyze what I should do against this and that. And how you create that base, I think it's it's up to you. I'm not so dependent on courses or chess books because I feel with a strong engine and a database, I can get the results sort of quickly. But it usually helps, or I guess it helps to start with a good course. And yeah, then putting that into your format, which once again, big scientist on studying. But I guess it also helps to convert it into something that's your own other than just clicking through stuff. Okay. Yeah. Useful advice. And I'm guessing based on your own predilections, like, and Neil is someone who's uh, primarily focused most recently on middle games, but like, you know, he's been aware. What does it mean? I never understand what it means. Like everyone talks about it. Yeah. I want to prove my middle games. I just don't, don't just want the boring theory. Like uh, how do you work on, well, Neil games. is the I'm king. We did, we did a, a standalone podcast about positional puzzle books. I Neil and I. Uh, um, so he's you know he's of the school of thought that like basically you want to drill patterns of like you know good knight against bad bishop and you know attacking with opposite you know attacking on the dark squares and you know whatever positional themes you want to drill those just in the way that you would drill like an opening line or a tactical theme. Um, so as we've talked about before, we're, you know, we're all just guessing, <laughs> no, no one really knows, but I mean, Neil being in his fifties, I think feels like he needs to repeat things more and that he can't take things for granted that someone like you or even me who learn learn chess as a kid slash teen, um, might absorb the patterns without as much effort. Yeah, I think there's truth to that. Of course, there's also the danger with patterns that chess is a very, very concrete game and they can sometimes lead you astray. So if I if I had to choose, but yeah, it's also different because as you said, I probably subconsciously know a lot of the patterns from from my childhood or whatever. But if I had to choose, I would usually put a premium on learning how to calculate better rather than drilling patterns in in middle games but of course it's all it's all so interconnected that it's for me very hard to give specific advice also i think for adults at least over the age of 30 i think calculation is the hardest thing to improve sure yeah yeah, so um but yeah maybe maybe it reaps the biggest rewards uh despite that um Jan, I'm amazed we got you to do some like uh, red meat chess improvement talk this time. It only took uh, only took five in- five interviews. No bigger expert on adult improvement than me, whose rating hasn't changed in like 20 <laughs> years. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, mine's gone down, so I'm right there with you. It's um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, it's quite. quite I'm also struggle. just trying to hang in there. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's rough. 
So I'll ask you something I asked Jen Shahadi. Is there anything you are trying to improve at? You know, you're known for your comedy stylings. Now you're, you've got your podcast. You mentioned this video game. I can't keep up with the video games, but is there anything you're really grinding hard on now, Jan? Let me think. Um, no, in general, when I, when I work, I try to do well as dumb as it sounds, but also there it's tricky for me to, to improve. For example, I'm, I'm fishing for compliments here, but I hate my cadence when speaking English or when doing commentary in English. I'm aware I'm a pretty good uh, English speaker, Amazing but English I do speaking. sound, yeah, yeah, I think, but, but I do sound so strange and it's not something that I can, I can change, you know, this weird rhythm I have when speaking. So I'm, I'm trying to, to shake those with hard work, like listening to lots of comedians talking about the, the finer points of comedy on various podcasts, but so far to no avail. What am I grinding? I'm trying to, to make my Twitch channel, another great plug, which is in German, an, an even bigger success than, than it is, but mainly just by sitting there and yeah, idly looking at the camera, playing some some chess games. So I I don't know. I'm yeah. We talked about the gym. That's usually a project that comes and goes. I had a good gym routine for a while, but then I got sick. You have little kids as well. You know how they are. They bring home all these sicknesses. You can't work out, and then one has to restart. So that's that's on and off going. I would say. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you right. Got to make money, Ben. I'm not sure uh, how it is. We're, we're old at this point. We're just, you know, trying to, trying to hang in there. I hear you. Yeah. yeah, it's like uh, like Mickey said. You know, just just try to try to survive and uh, hope something yeah. good happens. Um, but uh, yeah, I miss your Instagram videos on your walks to the gym. Um, <laughs> yeah, no bigger no bigger Insta influencer than me. <laughs> but how's the Twitch channel going? You know, obviously not speaking German, I don't keep up with that. Do you, are you is that like becoming like a legit thing for you? Are you devoting a lot of time to it? You could argue I'm devoting too much time to it. I kind of enjoy it. I do it when the kids are in bed, so 9.30 or whatever my time. I just sit there and play dumb games or chess. Um, I enjoy it. Like You don't feel the need, or maybe that's my mistake, the need to perform. It's a bit different than when I'm commentating a big tournament or whatever, but you can, you can sort of be yourself. The problem is I, I discovered that myself, I'm not that exciting. Like I want to lie on the couch, eat pizza, and watch a TV show. So this advice, just be yourself, be authentic. I'm not sure how well it works for me. Oh, come but, on. But seriously, seriously, no, I, I enjoy it, but it's it's taking up too much of my time if we're talking like yeah, business rewards. But it is it is fun to do. It's it's a bit addictive, I think. Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, I feel like the ROI should be good for you because you're you're such a chess I mean you're a chess star globally, but especially in Germany. Yeah, somehow my, my global following um is not as great at the German language. Is as there I, as I is there who's the biggest German chess streamer? Oh, there's my boy Kugelbuch. He's huge. Do you know Kugelbuch? I'm not familiar, no. Ah, you should check out Kugelbuch. Okay. <laughs> and how how what what is uh what do you think differentiates him? Why has he found an audience? He is like 1600, so he's much more relatable. Oh, he's going to get upset. I'm sure he's like 1800. Um, 
Now you know it's it's a young. I, I sound so miserable. I don't want to come across so miserable. But what what I struggle with is modern internet lingo. Maybe you can teach me all I'm the all the emotes and monka s kappa poggers. Um, so I'm still struggling to. Yeah, I'm always to, amazed to learn the I, lingo. When I check out Hikaru, I mean, he is a bit younger than us, but not like so much. But he's got his own language. You know, he's he seems so native to Twitch. And yeah, for me, it's um, I'm definitely more of a written word slash spoken word <laughs> type uh, consumer of information. Author. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I think anybody can do can do whatever they want there. And like I said, I'm I'm very much enjoying it. But yeah, it's it's become a serious time investment once the kids are asleep. So I'm not sure how great it is for for family life. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's fun to do. Gotcha. All right. Well, Jan, we're going to bring it back to your other project, the, the Chicken Chess Club. But first, we're oh, yeah. going to take one more break and hear from our sponsors. I've been digging deeper, looking at my analytics on aimchess.com, specifically trying to improve my time management at Blitz Chess, as you guys have heard me discuss before. They have this tab called Long Thinking, where you can look to see what the outcome of moves where you spend a lot of time is. And for me, it turns out those moves tend to be better than average compared to my rating peers. So my issue is I just need to play a little bit faster every single move. It's not so much about avoiding the long things. And there's tons of insights you can get like that from aimchess.com. You can check it out for free. Explore all phases of your game with actionable drills that you can then review and download games where issues arise. Uh, so check it out for free. And if you subscribe, use the promo code perpetual30 on aimchess.com. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, Jan. So Chicken Chess Club. Obviously, we're both, you know, um, avid podcast fans. Listen to uh, podcasts across the spectrum, uh, often not related to chess. So I'm enjoying, of course, features such as the Chicken of the Week, but let's hear it, Jan. When you're sitting down and you and Laurent and uh, Peter Hein agree to do this podcast, how do you come up with a feature like that? Do you guys have more in the offing? Because, of course, I have uh, I, I have some suggestions. I don't like the chicken of the week category because it's the Chicken Chess Club podcast. I'm an outspoken chicken in chess, taking great pride in trying not to make the game exciting and minimize <laughs> losing chances. So to mock people for for being chicken of the week, I feel is just wrong. It should be should be praising them. And there seems to be some some disagreement there. I do enjoy the the tales from the training camps, but that's mainly because I take, as I said, great pleasure out of Laurent's interactions with mainly waiters and waitresses. And various French restaurants also. Yeah, there's been 
there's been some incidents on on nude beaches, so I'm always seeing <laughs> how far I can how far I can push him <laughs> with, with that one. But yeah, I I would guess as a as a Jessonic listener. You want Recommendation Station, right? Yeah, I want Recommendation Station, yes. And I should explain for listeners, last time Jan was on the pod, one of the podcasts he recommended is called uh, the Jesselnik and Rosenthal Vanity Project. I was not familiar at the time. I got into it. I listened for a while. I have to admit, it's they need to edit it. I've, <laughs> I should talk, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I've fallen off a bit. But I do love their recurring features, such as Recommendation Station, where they recommend something. So, But is that going to happen, Jan? I don't know. I would have to check with you or Neil Bruce or someone before every show to tell me what, what the good chess books are. Oh, no. Forget and... chess. Save it for the end and just recommend anything. You know, we want we want the comedy recommendations and, the you know, books, video games, whatever. Yeah, I agree. It's a good category. We should probably change the name. And don't want to get sued by Jezelnik. He seems, seems petty. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure about that. And then, of course, I enjoy, uh, you know, Laurent speculating about Ali Reza. So I want a regular, I want every week an update of Laurent, you know, um, pontificating about what Ali Reza might be doing. Now, obviously, when he's in a tournament, we know, but otherwise, it just seems he keeps such a low profile. Um, so I'd like that to be a recurring feature. What do you think? I agree. The problem is, I think... Laurent is not telling us everything he knows. He's saying, yeah. yeah, but I'm talking to the guy privately in confidence. I can't give you all the details. I have a feeling he knows. I have a feeling they go for long walks in the <laughs> in the night of Paris and talk about their deepest dreams, fears, desires, all their team members, their strategy for the candidates. But he's he doesn't seem willing to share publicly. Then why do why do an Ali Reza theme podcast to begin with? But I, I fully agree. I'm very disappointed. I never get much out of Peter when it comes to to Magnus, and I get very little out of Laurent when it comes to Ali Reza as well. We should explain Ali Reza, the world. I guess he's number three now because Ding is back to number two. He recently moved to Chartres, and Laurent would criticize my pronunciation in France, next to Paris. But he hasn't he hasn't been seen much. He hasn't played in like five months. I think he's going to play Bucharest now. And of course, we need we need info. What's he doing? Who's he working with? Where is he? How's life in Schacht? We want to know. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, and you know, with writing, they say you have to bleed on the page, so you got to tell Peter Hein and Laurent. Listen, if you guys are going to do this podcast, can't hold anything back. We we need to know everything. We need to know, you know, um, all Magnus's everything Magnus is doing that Peter Hein is keeping secret, etc. So. Um, I know you've got some secrets too, Jan. I, I couldn't agree more other than my secrets. I'm an, an open but very boring book. I don't and know then, anybody. <laughs> and then you and um you and Peter Hein are both dads. Does Laurent have kids? He does have two daughters, yeah. Oh see, so guys... even that even that he's trying to hide from us. Now it's right. out there. So you guys could do a, you know, is to steal another bit, like the parent corner. You could you could um, discuss your children. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are going to get annoyed because they actually want you guys to talk about chess. But listen, it's a weekly show. Not that much stuff happens every single week. There's nothing happening. Yeah, you can join. You have two kids as well, right? Breaking breaking news here. <laughs> I know you keep your private life private. Um, um, yeah, yeah, no secret. And and yeah, my kids, um, their their chess careers are floundering. Although 
Um, they, they don't seem interested. Um, I'm sure you get asked all the time, but how's, how's Nelly's game? I think she more or less knows the the rules, but as most self-loathing chess players, I'm not really pushing pushing it very much on her. She's more <laughs> into into drawing, and I don't even know what it's called in English. All these weird things she's doing with like pearls, putting together pictures. She's busy. Can't bother her with chess. Gotcha. And how old is Do she? Do you have these fantasies about your kids? Because I, I have that fantasy. I haven't lived on it yet but they they have to realize my unfulfilled dreams right and if she starts training chess for like i don't know five six hours a day she's five and at this point she can she can crush crush women's chess no i'll give her all my openings she's not over the hill yet like the rest of us that's what uh that's what i think as well um no i guess i'm too much of an anti-authoritarian hippie to fulfill that fantasy but no, she hasn't shown any any particular interest in chess so far. Gotcha. Yeah, my son is is nine, and his favorite thing is baseball. But he's he's reaching this interesting age where he's starting to realize people are better than him. Um, you know, just more athletic, which was inevitable. But um, it's it's interesting as a parent because, like, on the one hand, you want to push him to be as. Uh, as good as he can, especially if this is the thing that he enjoys most. But on the other hand, like he's not wrong, you know? So, um, where, where do, where do you stand on steroids? (laughs) Everything in moderation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm against them for nine year olds at least. Um, so give it two years. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you get this parental instinct to really push them, but really like, I mean, you know, he's more likely to be in the stats department of a baseball team than on the field um, long term. Um, so, um, so Jan, what else do we have to discuss? I, of course, have a f- couple more world championship questions for you if you don't have anything else uh, burning to bring up. By, by all means, it's your, it's your I, show. Okay. Well, okay. Number one. So, obviously, you guys had that video ready to go revealing the team. Um on Team Magnus, once Magnus won the match, uh, Dan- Daniil Dubov, uh, Jordan Van Forest, perhaps the surprise participant, along with you and Laurent, um, stationed in Thailand, and uh, Peter Peter Hein, of course, was with Magnus in um, in Dubai. And but I want the behind the scenes on the celebration. Of course, uh, Peter Hein discussed what he and Magnus did a little bit, although as you say, probably omitted some details, but. What was the Thailand celebration like once uh, once your boy came through? It was a bit impromptu because I don't think we expected him to win that black game, this boring Italian. But I'm trying to recall, I think, we had dinner. We talk about all this stuff in detail in the series, but usually we would be done with our work at like, 4.30 local time, then, yeah, I would go for a nap and we'd go for dinner at whatever, 6.30 or something. Then the mat, the games would start, I think, 7.30 our time. And we would sometimes catch the end of it during during dinner and then people would go, go back to work or to watch the games in Laurent's room. I think I was sitting with Jordan. Maybe we had a water after wow. after dinner, yeah, 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 living the life. Well, the other guys left, and 
then when it looked like Nepomneshi was starting to lose it, or at some point he, he blundered with G3 or something, I was still hanging out with Jordan. I can't recall if it was a rest day the next day or if we were just being lazy. Um, I guess it was a rest day the next day. But anyway, then we texted Laurent and Daniel to, to come over and join the festivities. Has to be said though that it was it was Thailand was a beautiful location where we were in Phuket, but it was still very much Corona lockdown rules, which made it tough to find a place to go to in the world to begin with that met our demands. Like had to be in Thailand, and it had to be. I'm joking about the Thailand part, but it had to be. <laughs> um, yeah, in a time zone where we could work during the days, and ideally, it's warm, and it was very tough to find. We scanned the whole world. To find a place where you could go, or at least you could plan going in whenever it was October, November 2021, because of the COVID regulations, Thailand was a grind as well. But in the end, we made it there. Where, where does my story go? Ah, yeah, they, they had a, how do you call this? Um, every every place had to shut at 11 p.m. So curfew, we, we yeah. couldn't, a curfew, yeah, yeah. So we couldn't do as much excessive partying as you would usually expect from exhausted chess seconds <laughs> but yeah you know we had a drink we had a lovely walk on the beach talked about our feelings like some of the guys were thinking about catching earlier flights back which obviously seemed insane to me because i still had a week you know to 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 stick around i planned with tie breaks and everything and then we we had a nice dinner at a way too expensive french restaurant the next evening um where yeah, Laurent had all kinds of different fromage for dessert. Um, so we had a good time in general. We had a nice atmosphere there, but there's no excessive partying, I can report. Not not as wild as uh, as one might have guessed, especially for the, the youngsters, uh, Dubov and Van, Van Forest. Yeah, um, kids these days. <laughs> and I get the sense from both watching the inside team Magnus and interviews and stuff, um, the whole team seemed like they were pretty confident going going into the match. Is that? I mean, even like filming the video and having it ready to go to to release who was on the team. Like, uh, um, did did you guys did you feel good about Magnus's chances the whole time? Well, it helps working for Magnus, who, well, to my mind, is always the favorite, and so far has always found a way to come through. So I think it mainly mainly comes with that from my earlier. Exploits, you might recall, I'm not supremely confident about chess stuff usually. But yeah, we, I think, were confident going into the match. Doesn't mean you don't freak out about opening things all the time, basically. And you feel like we're not ready and this is not ready to go and we don't know what to do there. That comes with the territory. But I, I would guess you have this belief, which is not so difficult to have when working for Magnus that he'll find a way to come through if we don't don't screw up too badly. As for this video, you mean the one from the training camp in Spain? Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody had much to do with that. But clearly, Magnus is also confident when, when he does have these things ready to go and <clears throat> happy to be published. Gotcha. Now, and you guys do a good job keeping the team secret. Um, you know, people can make educated guesses, but um, you managed to sort of have a lower profile when, when world championship season comes around, but no one knows for sure. 
what's going on, who's who's working with Magnus, and obviously with like you know someone with your knowledge of certain openings, that's important information. So if Magnus, say Ali Reza wins, or Magnus changes his mind and is and is uh is defending his title, are we still going to have the Chicken Chess Club, Jan? I'm concerned about that. I think it has to happen weekly. And since Laura and Peter Heine are very coy about revealing any information about Magnus <laughs> or true. Ali Reza in general, I don't really see what what changes except for maybe some beach beach sounds in the background. You have to you have to listen for that for clues. But yeah, it has to it has to keep going. It's it's a long way until a potential next Magnus match, and also that part I can say without being facetious. Obviously, I have no clue if I or anybody else would be on the team. I would guess Peter Heine is a reasonably safe bet, and Laurent has also been around for a while. But other than that, it's, of course, up to up to Magnus which direction he wants to go. I don't think Laurent, Peter, and myself also being not that active are such a, were such a big secret to have to keep in the last matches. But of course, if you bring in someone new, who especially if they're opening specialists in certain lines like Dubov in 2018 with the Sveshnikov, that that you want to keep under wraps. Right. I liked Peter's insight in the the video about like needing these young guys because they're actively searching for novelties everywhere. You know, um, I mean, obviously you're you, you guys have tons of opening knowledge, but, but just his insight about the people that are still competing, trying to, to climb to Magnus's level with being good to have that, that young energy on the team. Yeah, I do agree with that. Even though it's very upsetting that Peter <laughs> never gives me any credit for all my great opening ideas. And he always assumes, Oh, this was Jordan's idea, right? This was duos, right? I have to tell him, no, mine, 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 mine. Oh, really? <laughs> no, no, no. It looked like, looked like that was it. No, but of course I agree with the point first of all to have this unbiased view and even unbiased use of engines like we're all used to working with engines but it feels like for for the younger guys i don't know d4 not f6 c4 g6 h4 it's just a perfectly natural move while if you grew up with the set of beliefs that you know we want to occupy the center and keep our king safe then it's harder to take these things seriously while they just yeah i think have a fresher outlook on many of those things so you need you need a balance. Makes sense, yeah. So so save a spot for for um, the old guys. Um, all right, yeah. A couple more, and then we'll let you go. Um, number one, you did not deny the possibility that you might be working on a chessable course in your Brinter Blitz. Um, can can you uh, comment further on that? Um. Yeah, as usual, I don't know a lot of details because I haven't done a lot of work. But <laughs> um, no, I did this E4, E5 course, which I think, think is still going strong. Greg, Greg is out there promoting it on Twitter, so yeah, I rely is. exclusively yeah. on Greg for the promo. So I should do something against D4. In general, I try to do things that I, I need myself, so I'll work on a D4 repertoire. Probably, you know, classical try stuff. Um, D5, E6, Knight of 6 and take it from there and so yeah that's that's the one I'm currently on and after that if I make it through that one and I'm happy with it I might I might try my hand at a white D4 repertoire which is tough because as we debated earlier if you're doing white repertoires 
you can either say, yeah, this is equal, but maybe they they don't know stuff or uh, maybe they missed that move. Or you can make up reasons why, okay, computer says it's equal, but it's easier to play for white for whatever reason. Or you can skip the best black, black choices, which I don't like doing. So it's rough in general to do white repertoires and people, me included, are more comfortable doing black repertoires because you feel these are easier to stand the test of time. But I need some openings with white, so I'll I'll get to that once hopefully I did a D four D four black course. Yeah, I mean people they shouldn't shoot the messenger. Listen, chess is a draw, newsflash. You know <laughs> what are what are we gonna do about it? But but I uh, I understand. Um, and and the Olympiad, it sounded like you uh, it sounded like you're in negotiations to coach to coach some uh, coach a team, perhaps a team you've coached previously. No, I don't think I've coached that team previously. I might have been on that team previously. Oh, interesting. Now, are you? Could you play as well? Um, like rating wise, when like were you like no thanks? I'd rather coach, or are you not quite? Uh, no, there? I think I'll, I think I'll do both. As a coach, I'd be in charge. Who's who's on the team? So might as well cash in double. I'll put myself on the bench. <laughs> Okay. Um, no, but but seriously, no, I, I won't be playing. I think rating-wise, I'd be eligible. But often they put in these lists. No, they put in these requirements for inactive people like me that you need to play, I don't know, 30 games within the last eight years to make the team. Like it's feeling like ding here. I don't have the time to go on a, on a 30-game spender. You want me to organize an event for you? <laughs> I don't know. I always thought... I'm sure this is a much debated topic in the chess world, that if I played a 200-game match against one of my 1,500 friends, I probably could win all the games, and I'd be, I'd be in the top 10, right? Yeah. What's, what's stopping anybody from doing that? Would FIDE say, no, you're, you're abusing the system, or do people just not have that kind of criminal energy? I, I think there are rules about it, but... But what would I, the rule be? It's an honest match. They can bring as many arbiters as they want, two games per day. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll have to answer this question in your sixth visit to this podcast. We'll we'll, uh, we'll re reconvene after doing some research. Maybe can we combine that we find an adult improver who's interested in playing two games a day against the grandmaster? Win win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That sounds good. All right, uh, Jan, last thing. Since you guys aren't doing Recommendation Station yet on Chicken Chess Club, uh, any uh, pop culture recommendations for myself and our listeners? Let me think. We haven't talked series for a while. As I lead a very busy life, it's rough to to keep track of stuff. Let me think. I'm watching the, the NBA playoffs. You might have heard of those. I've heard of it. Good series, um, yeah. Except for yeah. the Sixers. Don't get me started. But anyway. How's Embiid doing? Back for game three? I mean, the, game three will have happened when this comes out, but I'm going to say yes. But I think they'll lose the series anyway. There um, you go. Other than that, pop culture. Oh, I, I watched this movie, Coda, which I think won the Academy Award. And you might not think of me as a very emotional person, but I did cry throughout wow. the last half hour. It's such a tearjerker. It's not even fair. Okay, Coda. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's a great movie, but it's it's very touching. Other than that, what am I watching? The classics, Fleabag. You've seen Fleabag, I guess, right? 
I haven't. I'm familiar with it. I th- watch Fleabag. Come on. Okay. On it. Um, <laughs> I watched two Barry? seasons. You watching Barry? I, I couldn't get into Barry. The tone was too weird. I couldn't tell. Is it a drama, a comedy? Am I rooting for this guy against him? Do I not care? I, I didn't get it. I understand huh. everybody loves it. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't do okay. it. And Leave I me alone, you, Barry, with your acting classes. I heard you mention White Lotus. White um, Lotus is great, yeah. It's just six yeah, episodes. That was, that was really good. Yeah. Um, Atlanta? I, I'm still stuck in season two. I have a lot of Atlanta catching up to do. Like these things, they pile up. Succession is also excellent. I've only seen yeah. season one. I haven't made it through. I use my time to watch um, very intellectual stuff like C. Have you heard of C? No. It's it's like Game of Thrones. There's Jason Momoa as a tribe leader, but the catch is everybody's blind. Wow! But they're, they're still excellent at killing each other, like expert level killing each other, even though they're blind. So I did watch two seasons of C. Okay. And I watched Reacher, which is also oh yeah, we watched of, that. That was a lot of expert killing. Seriously mindless. Yeah, that was um, a plus mindless. So yeah, my tastes are. I feel they're getting. More lowbrow by the day because we're old, Ben. I just want to lie on the couch, watch an episode of The Office, and and fall asleep thinking, "Wow, um, that Michael Scott. He's not that good at his job." Jim and Pam, what's going to happen? Jim and Pam, stop being mean to Dwight. You're the true <laughs> villains. <laughs> um, okay, all right. And last, very last question: comedians. Any new recommendations? I went, oh, this, I shouldn't mention this. I'll, I'll lose a lot of fans. Um, a lot of fans, because I'm so famous. <laughs> I went to see Louis C.K. in Berlin, and I wasn't sure if that's... Yeah, is that allowed? that's <laughs> a proper thing to do. My right. friend had tickets, so, so I tagged along. I wasn't, I wasn't into it, maybe because uh, the way we feel about Louis C.K., but yeah, I, I didn't find his act great. I did the, the opener, one of the openers, a Norwegian guy I had never heard of, and I've since forgotten his name. I think it's Daniel Robertson or something like that. Funniest, funniest guy I've ever seen. Like, wow. He doesn't have much on on YouTube, but he does have, I think, a bit on Fallon, Five Minutes or something like that, which was close to what he did on the show. I mean, <clears throat> incredible guy, but also just hit my my humor center. So deadpan awkwardness. And you're, and you're not just saying that because he's Norwegian and, and you work for... Norwegian. I've literally never met a funny Norwegian. This is a, a first. Huh, interesting. Um, You're going to get fired. All right. <laughs> All right. Jan, amazing as always. Thank you. Chicken Chess Club listeners, Apple Podcasts, write a review. It makes a big difference. Give them the five stars on Spotify. You know, lavish them with praise on social media. Share widely. We, we need to support this endeavor. Um, we need it in our lives. So um, anything to add, Jan? I couldn't agree more. And thanks for for your your support of our little podcast project. Because I, I think of you, I'm not sure if it's still true, as the only chess podcast out there. So thank you so much for welcoming us oh, into the space. And yeah, it's it's fun doing. Good. Looking forward to more. Far from true that I'm the only one now, but uh, I'm definitely excited uh, for Chicken Chess Club. All right, Jan, we'll let you get back to either Twitch streaming or eating pizza on the couch. Uh, much appreciated as Picking always. Picking up my kids in the in the cargo bike from uh, from the dentist. That's ah, my that's okay. my real life. Okay, suburban grind. 
Excellent. You gotta you gotta um, stream that on inter- Instagram, Jan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care. Cheers. Bye, Ben. Thanks to everyone who helps make Perpetual Chess possible. Big shout out to my producer, Matthew Passy. I'd also like to thank the Blue Wire Podcast Network, with whom we are proud to be affiliated. Be sure to follow us on social media, Beneficial1 on Twitter, at Perpetual Chess on Instagram, and or you can join the Perpetual Chess Facebook group. You can email me, ben at perpetualchesspod.com. And of course, last but not least, I'd like to give major thanks to the Perpetual Chess Patreon and PayPal supporters. Those who choose to join that community based on their level of support can do things like submit questions for guests of the show, have access to live Zoom Q&A lectures with grandmasters who often have appeared on the show, going over chess games, answering questions, stuff like that. And you can even get access to ad-free perpetual chess if that's your preference. So, but most of all, thanks to everyone for listening and we will catch you all on the next episode. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.